0: Please open with me to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. The topic of my sermon today is contentment with God's provisions, contentment with God's provisions. It has been on my heart for quite some time, even within myself and in our family, we've dealt with situations where we struggle and we wrestle for the contentment for what the Lord provides. And I just wanted to share that with you today. And I'm sure the Lord is working in your lives and has shown, and if not, He will show that to you also, I hope. Please pray with me and we will read our passage and begin. Heavenly Father, we come again to you this morning and we are in need of your word. We're in need of your spirit. We have come by your word because you opened our eyes and we are relying on your word and your spirit every day, every moment, in order to understand what you have to tell us. We pray that you would shine the light in our lives and show us areas where we have struggled or struggled with discontentment. I pray that you would show us how we are to live out being content. How does our life look like? I pray that you would teach us to learn contentment, I pray that you would show us how to grow in it, how to work on it. Father, I pray that you would speak through your word today and work with us as a church as well as individually for your glory, we pray. Amen. Please read with me Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. We can read through 20. Paul writes of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs not that I seek the gift itself but I seek for the profit which increases to your account but I have received everything in full and have an abundance I'm amply supplied having received from Apophroditus what you have sent a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, as you may know, as you're part of the world that we live in, you understand that the world has a constant struggle with discontentment. We live in a world that is filled with consumerism. We are growing in our debt, we are buying and purchasing things all the time, new things, constantly looking to be content with something, and yet at the same time, we happen to be one of the most discontent people. Just to give you some statistics, I always like statistics. On average, on every average year, 14% of Americans move. So in 2020, 14% of Americans will get up, put their stuff in the U-Haul, and move into a different place. 43% of millennials, which is people ages 23 through 38, plan to leave their current job within two years. There are over 40% of marriages, first marriages that end up in divorce. We are purchasing, we're returning, We're getting into debt because we really want something. And then we're discontent with the debt and the payment that we need to make. So this problem is ongoing. We trade jobs. We trade houses. We trade spouses. In the world, we don't. And we are constantly discontent. But even though this affects the world greatly, it does affect us, Christians. All the time, frequently, we struggle with discontentment. We're discontent about our children, we're discontent about our spouses, discontent about our jobs, our salaries, our churches, our pastors, you name it. We're discontent, we grumble, we struggle with this. If you're honest with yourself, you will agree with me. And here in Philippians chapter 4, we read about a man by the name Paul who is sitting in prison, being chained to one of the soldiers, who has been wrongfully accused of breaking the law, who is, expecting and waiting for the trial, after which he could walk away free or he actually could end up losing his life. He has very limited means, he cannot make tents, he cannot work, he relies on people's provisions, on God's provisions, and at the same time, you see him speaking words as we have read. He's genuinely at peace. He's genuinely rejoicing through the epistle of Philippians. And he's genuinely content with what God has given him and continues to supply. Despite his difficult circumstances. And the question that you immediately have and I have. How is it possible that Paul having gone through so much trouble. Remember this is at the end of the book of Acts there's everything that has going on been going on in his life and everything that he has gone through how does he come to such a state of contentment how does he come what kind of faith does he have to have what kind of conviction does he have to have in order to be at peace regardless of the circumstances that he is in and he says you can see in verse 11 he says that I speak from one for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am are you able to say that regardless of the circumstances I am in I am content I have learned to be content I honestly cannot say that maybe you I cannot say that and the question is how do I learn this because Paul says I have learned to be content obviously it shows that this contentment is not natural for him it was not natural for Paul, neither it will be natural for you or me. It is a learned virtue that we have to grow in throughout our lifetime, and the Lord will lead us and will bring us through some different times, time of prosperity and time of trouble, humble time in order to teach us this virtue of contentment. What is contentment, you may ask? Well, the word content in Verse 11, chapter 4, we read. It comes from a Greek word that means self-sufficient or independent. Self-sufficient or independent. And this philosophy of Stoics, they would elevate this word and they would bring this idea that you, in order to achieve this greatest virtue of contentment, you have to disconnect yourself from all feelings. Remove all emotions And no matter what you're going through, whether it is pain, whether it is pleasure, do not be attached to that, and therefore you will reach this most greatest virtue. That is not what Paul is talking about here. Obviously, because you can see that when Paul has received this gift from Philippians, for which he's thanking the church, he is overwhelmed with joy. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly his feelings are here his emotions are here you can read it through the epistle of Philippians how much he loved the church and he expressed that to them so that is not what we're called to do that is not the biblical definition of being content by removing yourself from feelings nor is Paul using the word in order to speak of this pagan sense of self-sufficiency you may have heard of this term FI, those of you who like podcasts and different type of reading on finances, financial independence. This is a new movement within millennials, I keep using millennials, those of, who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, they are very much on fire for this MI or FI, financial independence. What they're doing is they would sell their possessions, get into this little shed or sometimes a house, little tiny house on the wheels, so they could drive around, not pay rent, live on the, off the curb somewhere, and they could work, work heavy hours, 10, 12, 16 hours a day for a period of 15 years, 10 years. And after they achieve certain financial gain, they say, I'm financially independent. I don't need to work anymore. I can do whatever I want with my life. I can travel. So you are financially independent. That is not what Paul is talking about here. That is not the type of financial dependence that we're called to. We're called to be dependent on God. We are called to have sufficiency in Christ. And that is what Paul is talking about here. By being content, Paul also doesn't mean to be complacent. Whenever you are, you may say, wherever I am, I'm to be happy. If my job is so bad that I can't feed my family, well, I got to be happy. I have to be content. That's not what Paul is talking about. In fact, Bible is very clear and encouraging in order for us to work harder and grow in our workplace And and seek rewards in order to improve our circumstances as long as we're not moved by greed or some type of idolatry. If you're single... And you're lonely it is good to seek for yourself a spouse so that is not the contentment that Paul is talking about now biblical contentment as one has defined it it is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God knowing that he is in control of all that happens to us it is an inner peace It is a sense of peace that comes from being right with God, knowing that God will provide, God will take care of me. Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs, he said this, he defined it as Christian contentment, as that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Despite of condition, you come to that sense of peace saying, God is going to take care of me. God is going to take care of me. So it's a great virtue to have. It is amazing, right? When you feel and you know people around you who are content with the things that God has given them. And they're not striving. They're not seeking to be rich and to have a, a status or to have a certain amount of possessions, right? It is very, it's a pleasure to spend time with these people. It's a great virtue. But it is a command also for us. God has commanded us, as he said, even we read, Alec has read in um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. And then he says, if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. How many of you can say, well, if I have food and covering, I'll be content. It's hard, right? Living in this Western world in the United States, it's almost like foreign language. What do you mean I need to be content with just covering and food? But that's what it is. When we read that Jesus said, God knows what you need. He will provide your clothing and he will provide your food as long as you're earning, as long as you're aiming to work for the kingdom of God. At one point. Soldiers came to John the Baptist and they said, well, what do we need to do? They probably just got baptized and they want to say, well, what do we need to do to show our action of repentance? He said, what? Be content with your wages. The writer of Hebrews wrote, make sure that your character is free from the love of money and being content with what you have. Hebrews 13, 5. So how do we acquire it? How do we acquire it? And as I said, it is a learned virtue. Paul says it this way in verse 11. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances that I am. And in verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret. So God has taken him through years, through years of difficult times, dangers, pains, hunger, cold, beatings, stonings in order to bring him to a state where it says i've learned it i have learned to be content let me remind you about the setting of the book of philippians where we are you can see that in this passage what paul is doing he's thanking the church of philippians paul was in philippi the first time where he shared the gospel with him about 10 years before this he shared the gospel he remember he got arrested then he was released and then he went on to Thessalonica and Berea and then Athens and Corinth and when he left they began to supply they, be- they began to pay him and support his mission so he was very grateful about it but at some point they stopped supplying his support their support and then before he wrote this, they sent a man by the name of Epaphroditus to Rome. They found out, whether they found out that he was imprisoned or they finally had an opportunity, they send Epaphroditus to him to Rome. And you know that Epaphroditus got sick, he almost died. And after some time, Paul sends Epaphroditus back to Philippi. And with him, he sends this letter. So at the end of the letter, he just wants to express to them his thanks. He wants to express appreciation for what he has done and at the same time he doesn't want to sound like oh finally you guys I've need I had such a need I mean I I'm struggling here I finally got something he wants to show them that hey thank you so much but at the same time if you would have not provided this for me God would have taken care of me either way I am independent on you I'm dependent on the Lord And I'm content with everything that the Lord has given. So that's why you read, he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. We don't know why they lacked opportunity, whether they were struggling. They were poor, by the way. Thessalonians were poor. Philippians were poor. They were poor, but at the same time, um, perhaps they were dealing with their poverty. Or perhaps they didn't know whereabouts where Paul is. And they found out that he's in Rome. We don't know why. But he says that I'm not saying that you were not concerned about me. You were concerned. But you just did not have an opportunity to serve me. And he says, but now that I speak from want. I'm not saying and I'm not thanking you because I want something. Or because I needed something. I'm saying because, he says. And he explains that he is independent of that he's gonna come back in verse 17 he's gonna tell them why he's praising him and we will get to that but at this point in time he takes us to the heart of contentment he's giving them a lesson how is it that I am content one thing I'd like to give you today and it takes you to this verse and you can see it in verse 13 which reveals to us the secret you may see in verse 12 he says i have learned the secret of being filled i have learned to be a secret to be content well the secret comes in the next verse in verse 13 where he says i can do all things through him who strengthens me if you were to summarize the secret what does that mean I would put it in two things the secret of contentment in every situation is to focus on your purpose and god's providence on your purpose in your life and god's providence when i talk about providence and we speak about this providence we mean the purpose of god the goal of god at the same time his sovereignty his power his will to make that purpose take place so on the one hand you have a human will a human purpose his direction that he was given and i'll show you how you, I, you see that in verse 13 and on the other hand you have god's purpose his sovereignty his power to accomplish the same if you're in sync with war, with the purpose of god let me first take you to the first pages of book of philippians and if you go with me to chapter 1, verse 3. You see, if you were to ask Timothy, excuse me, um, Paul, and say, Paul, well, can you tell me what is the purpose of your life? Why are, you, why are you so on fire? Well, he'll probably tell you, I want to glorify Christ by spreading the gospel, by bringing people to Christ and grow them in godliness, grow them in Christ-likeness. That's probably his goal, because he knows that that is what the goal of god is that is the purpose of god look at with me in verse three i thank my god in all my remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now he says you know what i'm happy about you know what i'm praising god for is that as soon as you have heard the gospel you clicked something has changed within you and you have become different In fact, you are now participating in spreading the gospel. We can see that later on. that Spreading the gospel in order to make other disciples. You are fulfilling the goal that I have had for you. In verse 18, when he's talking about different intentions of spreading the gospel, he says this, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. That is his purpose. That is his goal of life. So when you say, Paul, why why are you doing all this? Why are you so content? Because I have one goal. And that goal is in line with God's goal. That purpose is in line with God's purpose. My will is in line with God's will. And if you go to Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him literally means in him speaking about unity with christ unity with christ that doesn't mean that anything i want to do anything i can do this because he strengthens me no because i can do things in him in christ because he whatever christ has on his mind whatever goal he has i can do this because i have the same mindset i have the same will same direction same goal so i'm united with him And therefore, I can do this. So the first focus is the purpose of your own goal. And the second one is God's providence. As I said, providence being God's purpose empowered by his sovereign power. He was convinced on the purposes. So take, let, me, let me take you to verse 6 of chapter 1. He says, for I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He understands that the purpose of God was the same purpose that he had. He says that I have the same goal to bring you and raise you and grow you in the gospel. And it's exactly what God is doing. And if this is the goal of my father, then he will make sure and he will he's powerful in order to lead me there no matter about the circumstances. No matter where I am and what I'm going through, he will succeed in that. So that is the first and most fa- fundamental attribute, or you can say a trait, that someone with contentment must have is that to have the same purpose with the father and depend fully on his providence let me give you now through our text as we look at it we're going to take a look at five specific traits that we see in someone who is content you may ask yourself am i content am i do i struggle with contentment or am i someone who is content the first thing I would say is, do you rely on God's provisions? Do you rely on God's provision? Paul understood his purpose of life. He, it matched to the purpose of God. So he fully relied on the strength and provision of God, and we, as we read in verse 13. He says, who strengthens me, meaning he actually makes me powerful to do this. Two sides of the coin. Your will... And then God's empowering. Obviously, he understood the concept that Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches who abide in me and I in him. He bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Open with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 10 paul says but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me did not prove vain but i labored even more than all of them yet not i but the grace of god with me he fully understood the power comes from god he fully relied on the power that comes from god In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? The question is, do do you struggle with discontentment? If so, ask yourself a question. Do you rely on provisions of God? Do you truly believe that God will provide everything you need in order to achieve the goal that he has given you? Now notice in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 12, that he says, I also know how to live in prosperity. Prosperity, And it seems to me that prosperity is not the answer. Obviously, it is not. The, if you are prosperous, doesn't mean that you will be content. If you have come to the state where you have everything, and you probably have come now in many of our families, that we have everything we need, and yet we still struggle with discontent. Listen to what Spurgeon says. There are a great many men that know a little how to be humbled, that do not know at all how to abound. When they're put down into the pit with Joseph, they look up and see the starry promise and they hope for an escape. But when they are put on the top of a pinnacle, their heads grow dizzy and they're ready to fall. I would say that as you gain more possession and as you gain things that you like, I would say your discontentment probably grows. We live in a nation that is probably one of the richest nations in the world. And we are struggling with discontent more than many other nations do. And Paul says, I am content with everything that the Lord has given me. Remember one thing that Paul tried to get and he couldn't. He had the storm in the flesh and he implored the Lord on three different occasions in order for it to leave him. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast, Paul says, about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I will be well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong Paul is able to say my weaknesses I can boast about because it is to my weaknesses that Christ is exalted he's grown in my life and in that I will exalt so therefore Paul says listen you need me to wear dirty clothes ripped clothes old clothes I'm fine with that if this is what the Lord provided I will be okay. If you want me to go through dangers, through beatings, through stonings, you want me to be dispossessed of things, you want me to be hungry for a time, bring it on. I'm ready. I am still, I am content. I have learned to be content with all these things. So as I've said, the first identifying trait of someone who is content, it is relying, someone relying on God's provisions. Number two, someone who is content he is laboring for the kingdom of christ despite circumstances circumstances and you may not see it directly it is clearly applied that paul has never stopped working here paul has always worked in fact when paul would come to any of the new city he would not ask them for any money In in order for him to the gospel to be effective and for people not to for that not to be a stumbling block he never asked for money in fact in any of the letters you read Paul has never asked even prayed for God to supply him with finances he always relied on the Lord but he would go and he would always work he would always work he would make tents And if then he would move on to a different city and if the previous city if the church would supply him material help he would take it and then he would work full time with the people with the souls proclaiming the gospel and would not make tents and things are hard he would go and he would start making and making living and making tents again paul never dropped the towel and says i'm not going to work because my for the kingdom of god because my circumstances are very difficult circumstances have never stopped Paul from working for the kingdom in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 he writes for you yourselves know how ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you he constantly trained people, shared the word, taught them, at the same time worked or relied on other people in order to proclaim and in order to build up the kingdom of Christ. Brother and sister, you can this is one of the ways you can do. Are you content with what God provides for you today? if you are are you working for the kingdom of god are you laboring for the kingdom of god if not check the purposes that god has for you check the provisions that he has given you and get to work get to work i don't want to miss this working as in a way of giving obviously paul is expressing his gratitude to philippians for giving him this and here you can see that in verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me nevertheless you have done well to share with me in my affliction your giving is a way of working and Philippians from understanding the history they were not well off they were very poor and they actually gave from their poverty. I will read you from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, Now, brethren, we wish to make you known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a greater deal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave out of their own accord, Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we have expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Philippi is in Macedonia. And when he was encouraging the church in Corinthians to give, he brought up the example of Philippians. Thessalonians might have been there, Bereans. But Philippians were one of those who have given out of their poverty in order to help and progress the kingdom of Christ. So the first we've said, relying, relying on provisions of God. The second one is laboring for the kingdom of Christ, which includes giving. And the third one is praising and thanking for the labor of another. Praising and thanking for the labor of another. Take a look with me. In verse 14, he says, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. He praises them. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the, much, in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. He's thanking him. That is a natural thing where you when you're content with what God has given you you are thankful for what you receive from other people if you're discontent with God you will continue to grumble at other people's gifts thinking that hey that's not enough I'm worth so much more than this right I should have not been treated this way but Paul says he's thankful because he says I would have done just fine without it. God would have provided for me, but out of gratitude, out of that thankful heart, He gives Him praise. And He's praising their gift. He's praising their gift. Look at verse 18 I have received everything in full. Do you really think that they gave Him so much that He lived like a king? They gave him enough to sustain him. He says, I received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply, fully supplied having received from Apophroditus what you have sent. He's thanking, he's praising them. He says he calls it a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. He compares it to that sacrifice in the Old Testament. When he was brought in with faith and obedience, it was like a odor of perfume to the nostrils of God and he says that is what your sacrifice and that is what you're giving to me is church I would say we need to learn how to recognize the grace of God in other people we need to be thankful to other people who serve us and be able to uplift them encourage them even praise them Paul praises Philippians. He praises Thessalonians that we've read. He praises them. And that is not a sin. We need to grow in that. This takes us to the fourth point. One who's content is seeking and rejoicing in the fruit of another. He's seeking and rejoicing in the fruit of another. Look at with me in verse 10 again. "But I rejoice in the Lord greatly... That now at last you have revived your concern for me. Seems to me that he is initially may seem to you that he is just happy that they finally recognized him again. But he says in 11, not that I speak from want. I'm not saying that because I needed something or I want something from you. He later explains in verse 17, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account he's seeking the fruit for which he has been laboring he has been proclaiming to them the gospel he wished and desired for them to grow through the word of god and then he finally sees the fruit he has spoken in the past if you can see and we read in 1 6 for i'm confident that he who has begun a, began a good work will can perfect it until the day of christ jesus and he says it again that i am just rejoicing because I see the fruit of the gospel working out in your life. He's rejoicing it. He's seeking it. In Philippians 1.9 says this, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through jesus christ that is what he's looking for he says even your gift itself is not as important for me as your act of giving because that speaks of the fruit within you when there is contentment with god's provisions for you there will be joy in the success of another there will be joy you will rejoice Whether spiritual success, whether some type of giftedness, whether financial success or relational success, you name it, there will not be any jealousy, there will be no envy, there will be no competition. There will be always joy for another's growth and fruit. The Lord provides everything for you. Why should you even be discontent when you see someone else flourish? Lastly, I want to take you to number five. The person who is content, he hopes in God's reward. Take a look with me in verse 19 where he says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul understood that Thessalonians, it was a big deal for them. They have given themselves out of their poverty to to Paul for the kingdom of Christ. And he says this, don't worry, the reward is coming. In fact, in the future, even in your immediate future, whatever you need, the Lord will meet that. You may notice that he says, my God, very personal, my God will supply. Now, understanding that my God has been so faithful to me he has shown me his grace. He has always supplied me to whatever I need that for you, Philippians, he will be the same. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not just riches, not just generosity, but he says, you know, he's, gonna, he's comparing his giving to the abundance of the glory of Christ. How is abundant the glory of Christ? That is how much, according to that rich richness that He's going to give that to you. One passage I'd like you to open to is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 and follows. Again Paul encourages Corinthians to give and he says now this I say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. There is a reward for what you do. Each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance for every good deed notice how paul says that he's going to replenish don't ever think that when you give something that you have become poorer that is never the case according to scripture when you have given something god is going to replenish that and he's going to replenish that for a purpose as we read in verse 8 for every good deed. He's going to replenish that so that you could continue to work and you could continue to give. And he says, as it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God is faithful to reward those who work. Those who rely on him, those who are content with what they have, and they give, and they work, and they put in time, and they put in effort, they put in finances for his kingdom. God gives them that reward. And someone who is content, he hopes in that. He has reliance on that. I'd like to share with you a story about young Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a unique man at one point living in England he has decided to become a physician but at the same time he wanted to go to China as a missionary in order to be a physician in China so he was studying medicine and he was studying Hebrew and Latin and He realized that the most important preparation of all would be to take place in the realm of his own soul. He says, I need to learn how to be dependent on the Lord now and here. Because once I'm abroad and in China, I'm definitely going to need to have that skill. And he read about... um, george mueller and how george mueller was dependent on the lord in prayer so he says i want to learn this as well so he made this deal within himself he says i'm not going to ask for my wages from my employer and his physician that he worked with was always not organized and he would never pay on time and at one point he came down he says well i got some bills to pay and i only have this one coin a half crown piece and he says about 10 o'clock on sunday night as he was doing gospel work in the various lodging houses a poor man asked him to go and pray with his wife who was dying so he says i have this half crown piece and this man comes up and he if you read about it he grabs him and says come to my home it's at 10 o'clock on sunday night come to my home i have a dying wife pray for her and he drags him, he brings to these slumps. And he opens the door and there are these four or five children who are skinny. And have been starving, standing there. And there's his wife just laying on the cod. And she has an infant on her chest, crying. And this woman is dying. And look what he says. Ah, thought Taylor. If I had two shillings and a sixpence instead of of half a crown, how gladly should they have one and sixpence of it? Basically, he says, I only have one coin. It's quite a bit. It's my last one. But if I could have something small, I would just share with them. He was willing to give them part of what he had, but not the entire coin. So he sought to comfort them by saying that, however, distressing their circumstances, there was a kind and loving father looking down from heaven. But something within him cried, you hypocrite. Telling these unconverted people about the kind and loving father in heaven and not prepared yourself to trust him without a half a crown. He was now feeling very miserable. If his coin were only changed, he would gladly give a florin and keep only the sixpence remaining. But he was not yet prepared to trust in God alone without the sixpence not being able to continue the conversation he said to the man you ask me to come and pray with your wife let us pray he knelt down but no sooner had he said our father than he heard a voice within saying dare you mock god dare you kneel down and call him father with that half crown in your pocket finishing the prayer he arose and then he says this i put my hand in my pocket and slowly drawing out the half-crown, gave it to the man, telling him that it might seem a small matter for me to relieve them, seeing that I was comparably well off, but that in parting with that coin, I was giving him all I had. He says this then, But that, but that what I have been trying to tell them was indeed true. God really is a father and may be trusted. He went home happy and hard and before retiring asked the lord not to let his loan be a long one and on opening then he says i had this early next morning the postman knocks was heard on the door he was rarely ever received a letter on monday morning hence he was surprised when the landlady came with a letter on opening the envelope he found a sheet of blank paper and a half sovereign another money Praise the Lord, he explained, 400% for a 12-hours investment. He then and there learned that the bank of heaven is always dependable and pays good dividends. There are many stories of Hudson Taylor that he continued to rely on the Lord, and some of the decisions he, he made were just ridiculous. He would say, I would have never made the decision. I would have never trusted the Lord like that. I would just take it. This is an opportunity, but this is what God has Done in the life of this man and the faith he has given him. Just to remind you, if you're struggling with contentment, focus on your purpose for your life. One. Second, focus on provisions and providence of God. God, who is full of sovereignty, God, who is full of power, who is, has the same purpose as he has given you, he gives the strength. fulfill it rely on those things and if you rely on God's supply that will show that you're content if you labor despite your circumstances that shows that you are content if you give that will show your contentment if you're thankful and you're praising other people's gifts if you're seeking and rejoicing in the fruit of other people that shows your contentment and then if you hope And Father's reward in the future that shows you are content. May the Lord bless you in that. Please pray with me. Father, many of us struggle. We struggle with even being the richest people in the world. We have everything, not even speaking about clothing and food. But Lord, we pray that we would have a heart of contentment, that you would give us that gift, and you would teach us how to be content. We pray that you would teach us with regard, regardless of what circumstances. If you need to take something away, take it away, Lord. We want to learn, we want to grow in you, in reliance in you. We want to have a heart that is content. We want to be able to give, give with gracious hearts. We want to, Lord, seek you in everything that we do because we have one purpose, to proclaim the gospel, to reach people for Christ and that happens to be the same purpose that is empowered by you also In name of Jesus we pray amen